0: Welcome to the Mortcast. Before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blickenloisee, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Goresfield, right in the middle of the dairy block. Um, it is sub-zero out there. Um, it is cold. Uh, rather than going down and participate in the social distance, which you could do right now, you know, 50% capacity in Denver, I believe, as of right now. Um, restrictions are being eased up uh, just a bit, so you could do that, but rather than doing that and braving the below sub-zero temperatures out there, maybe you should go to bfwdenver.com and pick yourself up a bottle of the 2017 Cabernet, like I've been saying over and over. That is fantastic stuff. One of my best, uh, one of my favorite things that I've had there, but everything they've got is great. If you like Pinot, you know, these grapes are from Sonoma County, California. That's their specialty. Um, but they also got, you know, some Syrahs. They got some, you know, that, everything you need. is If you want red, they got whites. They got partnerships with Western Slope uh, wineries, uh, two in particular, uh, Storm Cellars and uh, Restoration. Uh, so if you want to support local Colorado businesses, that's your way to do it. Um, one of my favorite places in Denver, and going to BFWDenver.com, you can also uh, do a virtual wine tasting, which are very popular, and uh, I'll probably be having a giveaway here soon, so I'll, I'll think of something. Like um, I said, I may do it on the politics show, but find a way to give away some uh, uh, um, virtual wine tasting gift certificates, uh, should they become available. Uh, we will see. Um, but other than that, just go to BFWDenver.com, get yourself a get yourself a bottle, uh, do They do curbside, they do delivery, and they do shipping. Um, just They can accommodate, accommodate you in whichever way you choose. Um, bfwdenver.com is where you go to get that. And once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. All right, the Nuggets beat the living snot out of the Lakers last night, and that's great. Uh, obviously, there's some circumstances. I think Davis reaggravated his Achilles. Um, but the Nuggets were leading by, I think by the time Davis left, the Nuggets were up by 9 or 10, and were pulling away. And it was, it was, it was a remarkable kind of... Uh, experience. I think the, <laughs> this is going to piss people off, but I think the, the Lakers were letting down a bit. Uh, I don't, th- I think, don't think LeBron used his full ass in this performance. I think it was a half-assed LeBron James performance. Um, the Nuggets were certainly motivated, but they were shorthanded themselves. Paul Millsap went out suspiciously on a on a, on a, on a, interesting collision with Alex Caruso and uh, I'm I'm, I'm questioning some things with the route that Caruso took on that particular attempt to rub uh, Paul Millsap, but you know, who knows at this point. Uh, It could be coincidence those things happen all the time in the NBA, but uh, I didn't like the way Caruso did that. Um, Aside from that, Millsap went out for the rest of the game and you know who stepped up? Zeke fucking Najee, right? Zeke the Freak. And I can't believe no one has patented Zeke the Freak yet. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, that's mine. Hands off. Um, but there is just, there's so many, there's there's so many of the, the, the younger guys stood up, you know, stepped up big time in this. You know, uh, Nicole Jokic had himself pretty ho-hum, triple-double. Uh, didn't, really play much of the fourth quarter because the Nuggets were up by 20 going into the fourth. Um, so it, it really wasn't what you would call, um, you know, Jamal Murray had had himself a great game despite his ankle problem, um, 25 points, you know, and really played well with that second unit. Um, and I think that should happen more. I think they really found something there with uh, uh, Murray coming in and playing with that second unit. Um, that is staggering, right there, and not staggering as in, uh, oh god, they're so good. I mean, staggering as in the out, the, the <laughs> as in the, uh, the, the the just staggering lineups. Um, Murray came in, it was great. He was playing with Faku Camposo, playing with uh, uh, RJ, R.J. Hampton. He was playing with Zignaji, Uh, even Vlatko Chanchar got in there. It was. I don't know. It was it was good to see the young guys step up. And I think the theme of this podcast, right now, this particular recording, is going to be about how this is the benefits of getting young guys some playing time. I'll um, give you a little story. Doug Mo famously did not like playing young young guys, hated playing rookies. And I think if you're going to get a coach who is not on a rebuilding team, they're going to tell you rookies get you fired. Um and I am firmly believe that Michael Malone uh, subscribes to this theory. Once the Nuggets went from rebuilding team to good team, uh, that's probably where he was. That's why the development of Michael Porter Jr. has been so halting. Um, in reality, he should probably have been getting consistent minutes since midway through last year. But uh, for whatever reason, there's that, that, that gap there. There's that issue. There are differences to how you can approach these things. And Doug Moe, like I said, was famously averse to playing rookies. Um, and I can cite two examples of how Moe stilted the developments of two rookies. One, Jerome Lane, who was never that good. Uh, Jerome Lane was drafted ba- basically on the basis of him breaking a backboard. He was a first-round pick of the Nuggets in 1988. Uh, he, he was at picture it's in Jerome from... Uh, Bill Rafferty, That's the famous uh, YouTube clip that you can see. And when he broke the backboard when he was at Pittsburgh, well, the Nuggets, um, Pete Babcock would do that occasionally. And they drafted Drumlin just based on that. You know, it was on CBS, and he just he just broke the backboard. Um, and, you know, while he wasn't a great player, he didn't get a ton of playing time the 88-89 season. Uh, And that Nuggets team was rapidly deteriorating by 88-89 and probably could have used some young enthusiasm. Same with 89-90 when the following year, Todd Lichty was uh, drafted. Uh, Lichty didn't get a ton of playing time, despite even in that year playing very, actually pretty well. Um, Lichty was never, uh, once again, never a great player, but he could have benefited the team because the team was rapidly getting older. Uh, And even by the end of the 89-90 season, Mo knew it. Um, He knew that Fat Lever was breaking down. And even by that time, Fat Lever was the best player on the team. Let's face it. Uh, The 89-90 season was English dropped off considerably in production. And uh, he wasn't having a great time with Doug Moe at that time. And... They could have used that more of that youthful injection, and, and Mo just wasn't down with that. He famously did not like playing rookies. Um, similar to George Carl, George, uh, Nuggets didn't have a ton of rookies during his time here, but you could say that he really kind of broke his mold when he had Kenneth Fareed play as much as he did in the 11-12 season. Um, Farid came in and uh, I remember after they drafted him I was talking to Andy Feinstein at uh, Jake's RIP, Jake's Food and Spirits. Um, and uh, he and I were talking about them drafting uh, Kenneth Farid based on his tournament appearance here in Denver for Moorhead State. And I'm like George is never going to play yet. Um George, George was you know, once again probably ascribed to the rookies get you fired uh, theory. And Basically, during that year, post lockout, uh, George's hand was forced by um, Masai Jerry trading uh, Nene to Washington for uh, Javel McGee and Ronnie Turioff. Yeah, Ronnie Turioff was part of that deal. He never played for the day, they bought him out. Anyway, um, so the, <laughs> he did that, and it was basically to ensure that Kenneth Farid would get more time. Sometimes organizations will do that. Um, Michael Malone has had to navigate his way through the Michael Porter Jr. experience. Um, And what has happened is because of injuries, because Gary Harris is yet again injured, uh, because Will Barton had to be out, because Jamal's been injured, they've had to play these guys. And recently it's been Zeke Najee. And Zeke Nagy coming in and really producing. And it's, and it's the interesting thing about Zeke Nagy was he was guarding LeBron. And I don't think LeBron was fully cognizant that a rookie was guarding him. Um, he was going at Michael Porter Jr. And actually, uh, Porter was holding him. Don't tell anyone. But aside from a couple lapses, notably the Kyle Kuzma dunk, uh, Michael Porter Jr. was actually okay on defense yesterday, but don't tell anyone because it'll upset the narrative that he is just a horrible defensive player and can't be on the court. Just, just don't tell anyone though. Shh, shh. Um, but there was, he would, Zeke Nagy was covering him that, that second uh, half and held his own. And largely, I think because LeBron didn't really attack him, but, um, it was such an interesting adventure to see these guys um, you know, RJ Hampton has been getting a lot of minutes, mostly because he hustles a lot. My fear with RJ Hampton is that he has a lot of sound and fury. Um, I'm waiting for a ton of substance. Um, his energy is very noticeable. Uh, kind of like Faku Campaso, but Campaso uh, really facilitates. And, I mean, that pass that he had, that right by Kyle Kuzma's head, was just insane. That was an insane pass, and it was accurate. I mean, that he wasn't even looking, and it went like two inches from Kyle Kuzma's face, <clears throat> and it got there, and it was just like that. That was a great pass. That's anyway. I enjoyed watching that one. Um, but you know, R.J. Hampton got in, and he's just he's so he's he's young, and he's so. Omnidirectional, if that makes any sense. He doesn't know how to hone where his energy should go yet. So he does a lot. Uh, he gets lost a lot on offense. I mean, a lot. Um, God, I think Porter got lost on offense. I mean, RJ has no idea where to be. He's just a ball of energy, which helps the team. So there's a benefit to playing the young guys. There's a benefit to getting them some experience, particularly when these guys are injured. And over reliance on veterans uh, can break the veterans down. And sometimes you need they need these breaks. And I like this more than just the "quote resting guys" thing. Um, you know, I, th- I think that I think that getting guys like that. I mean, even Vlatko Chanchar got in the game. And I was talking to a friend of mine uh, during the game uh, during his first stint, Vlatko. Uh, Got some good run in, but his second stint, which was about two three minutes later, he was awful on offense and was miss, He missed like three layups. I, I I don't know how you do that. And then he like chucked a three. I, I think that I think that 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 you know maybe could be a result of never playing, but uh, also it's uh, yeah maybe a reflection of who Chanchar is. Um, you notice that Bol Bol never gets in. And I think maybe at this point, it is probably a good time to start asking if Bull has some uh, practice issues that we don't know about. Um, I know people were very enthusiastic about getting Bol, uh and getting him time. And he's become this cartoonish kind of symbol of... of how the Nuggets are great in the draft and all this stuff. Um, I'll, I just said this in the podcast that I did a couple couple of years ago when I, they drafted him. Sometimes there's a reason guys fall that far, and I, I I think we underestimate just some of the the levels of good that you need to be to be in the NBA. And I don't think Bol Bol just based on my appearance, my my assumptions is not, is there. Yet he could get in the future, but I think if anything, the indication that he's not getting in there is not necessarily like it was with Porter, where it was just you know I still believe that they're that they should have been playing MPJ a lot more. Um, his talent was there, and his ability to show out is is immense. But uh, with Bowl, it just seems like it's not there. And I'm, I'm wondering if there is just a, a significant issue there. And I don't know. I'm not saying this based on any knowledge. This is just me guessing. I don't know. But I think it's safe at this point to ask what's, what's going on. Because Bull didn't even get in the game yesterday. So, aside from that, I like seeing the young guys. Particularly Zignaggi. I mean, Zignaggi is one of those high-floor guys that every NBA team needs. Not necessarily high ceiling, but he's a high floor guy. And high floor guys are make very, very, very long careers as good role players in the NBA. And I think that Zeke Nagy's future for that is going to be very, very good. Uh, RJ Hampton has a higher ceiling. Um, it remains to be seen if he'll reach it. Uh, Faku Campaso is like 29, so obviously he's older. But whew, man, I, I hate. I can't. I hate lumping him in with young guys. So let's just remove that for a second because he's a old rookie. Um, you saw a good Compasso game after his uh, injury, and I think you saw his effect on the game. And the Lakers were completely discombobulated by his energy and what he does. They're not used to people aggressively guarding you and getting up under you. Uh, They're not used to a guy who is five foot whatever um, flailing his arms uh, wildly and getting in every passing lane. They're not used to that. Um, I can see how that would be irritating to most NBA players who are not used to that sort of thing. Um, But it's good to see Campasso kind of getting out there and doing that. But he's not part of the young guys. When I'm talking about young guys, I'm talking about Hampton and Najee. And to a lesser extent, uh, some of the other guys. But... Uh, right now, it was good to see, and it was good to see how those guys had an effect on the game. And hopefully, going forward on this really long stretch of road games, the Nuggets are good playing 8 of 10 on the road. Um, hopefully, during the stretch, we we'll get to see more and more of them, and hopefully, they continue to improve as we've seen them. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast. I will be talking to you soon.